Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week, we are talking about a topic that a lot of women experience when they enter motherhood, and it takes a little bit of a realization to get to, and that is that I'm not always the mom I thought I would be. Now, before we jump to the episode, I want to let you know as listeners that if you are pregnant and you are in your third trimester, now is the time to join our mommy mentorship. We have created this amazing program to help new moms like you with massive amounts of information about where you are in your motherhood journey and where your baby is developmentally. Uh, We have international guest experts uh, who do amazing masterclasses on a huge range of topics. I'm talking postpartum sex, sleep consultants, uh, pediatric nutrition, just to name a few, like amazing international guest experts that we have. If this is something that would be interesting for you and you think, yes, I would love to join, or if you're worried about the isolation, the overwhelm, or you're feeling like you need support or you would like support, then you definitely need to check out our Mommy Mentorship Program. You can find it at mommymentorship.com. And really, like, it is a no-brainer. It is a low-cost program. To break it down for you, we're talking three venti extra hot caramel macchiatos a month. Like, it's so low budget. Or 50 cents a day. Okay. Now, with that said, you should absolutely look into joining the program. We would love to have you. So check it out at mommymentorship.com. Okay, so let's jump into the episode. This week, we are talking about the topic of I'm not the mom I thought I'd be. And the thing is, I think that every mom has an idea in her head before her baby's born as to what type of mom she wants to be. And you may be that type of mom for the most part, but there are things that that kind of don't end up happening the way you think they're going to be. And I know there's definitely kind of five main themes that I think both of us have seen between us and friends of ours that we know. It's talked about like kind of in our circle and even joked about in our circle, but we're kind of talking about it now because it kind of brings to light the thoughts of other new moms. Yeah, no, I totally agree because like you said, we always have an idea of how we want to be as a mom. 
and then there's nothing wrong with that because every like we have dreams, we have plans. If you come from a background that, you know, you didn't have a great childhood or you didn't have a great maternal role model, you want to correct those. And, you know, you know what you want to change and how you want to be. And then you become a mom and, you know, we've talked about so many times, like with labor delivery about birth, you know, going in with an open mind and things happen and things change really quickly. And the reality is when you become a mom, life happens. And sometimes your, you know, those ideas of who you wanted to be as a mom, those change too. Because let's be honest, motherhood is hard and we need to survive. And quite oftentimes we make choices we would never have thought of prior to having kids. Like I always see on the internet, like things of like, as a, before I became a mom, I always said I would never do this and I would never do this. And now I just laugh at myself, the memory of myself when I said I would never give my kids pre-made food or my kids would never eat chips or, you know, as they get older. And now it's just like, okay, here, enjoy. Well, and the thing is too, like I've, some women judge moms right and you know when you're a single woman or you're married and don't have kids like you're like oh my gosh what is that woman doing and then all of a sudden you have kids and you're like I know exactly what that woman that I was judging was doing yeah or like I you know the a really common one is like I never want to I never want to yell at my kids and like I I raise my hands here like there are times where that just happens like it's not that I choose to and I don't enjoy it but the reality is it happens and and I think what like you said like mom judgment is so so prevalent because women judge women other women so harshly whether or not they're moms or not and that really does carry over into the sphere moms into the sphere of being a mom and It's just, we've talked about it too, about, you know, everybody makes choices that is the best choice for their family and for their baby. So sometimes we have to give ourselves grace because the choices that are best for our family now in the moment of being a mom might be different than what we had thought they would be prior to becoming a mom. That is the 100% truth if I've ever heard it. Right. We have to give ourselves grace. Yeah. Because this is a very trying time in our life. You've got a lot going on. And, you know, yeah, you just have to give yourself a little bit of grace. So the first one we have on our list is my house isn't clean. So this is the number one thing that I started to give myself grace on was the cleanliness of my house. I'm not saying my house is a dump, but before we had children we had a very nice neat clean organized well-decorated house that no longer exists it is somewhere but between all the toys that are everywhere now my kids are a little bit older now but like when they were babies there was like baby stuff everywhere and when they were really little everything was nice and neat and organized and then as they started to crawl and move and get more toys and different things like it just seemed to kind of escalate and become less clean and less pretty because we had to suddenly get rid of things that they could reach. And 
it kind of morphed into a family home instead of a young urban professional home or like a couple home. Yeah, exactly. Right. And your house is the same. Yeah. My house is, I never like cleaning was something that I've never enjoyed. Like I do it. I've never really have a passion for it, but um, it's funny because I don't remember being younger and seeing like a messy room and cause it causing me stress. Now as a mom, I, you know, I look around my house because I see the chaos and, you know, I have three kids, you know, two, like, a, I don't even know if you can qualify Finn as a toddler anymore. I don't think so. Like, I think he's, he fits in the age bracket of preschooler, I guess, and, and, a, and a baby. And it's just, my house is chaos. And now I look about those chaos rooms and it causes me stress. It, in, and it's really shocking to me how it's backwards, even though I, you know, I know the like give grace and I realize, you know, my life is a home of kids and it's a family home and it's busy and everything. But it's something that if I don't if I'm not aware of me, my stress level associated with the, the chaos of having baby stuff everywhere and toddler stuff everywhere and school age stuff everywhere, I have to remind myself, I have three kids. Like I have to check my reality of, okay, I'm not going to be able to clean everything all the time. My kitchen is not going to be clean all the time because my kids eat all the time. <laughs> it's like I finish one meal like I think this is for true for every every parent like you finish one meal you clean it up and it's time for the next meal um, or it's snack time and so I often have to check myself for this exact reason to realize to keep my stress level down associated with the mess like it's okay that there's mess here and I think it's really common for a lot of women is that mess equals stress but one thing that we have to remember is or there's a purpose for this mess. And that mess is, you know, a happy baby, a playful baby, um, you know, a family. It's, there's a reason for it. And it's okay to not have a clean house or a tidy house. Well, it's funny for us, it stresses Keith out more than it stresses me. We are both always neat people, but I think my personality looks at it as this is just a phase. And as the kids get older, things will get a little bit more organized and stuff. Um, whereas Keith is like, sometimes he's like, oh my gosh, like I just can't, can't do this, right? And I, it's funny because I remember my parents having the same discussions that Keith and I have. And my mom saying to my dad, said, right now you've got two little kids. One day you will have no kids because they won't be living at home anymore. And your house will be neat again. And of course, they have no kids living at home and their house is neat again. So I tell Keith the exact same way, like our house growing up, like we had toys around and stuff and my dad would get upset because he doesn't like mess and Keith is the same way. And then that's, that's what my mom would respond to. And I tell Keith too, like I can either stay home and clean the house or I can 
be outside with the kids. I can take them to the park. Like I can do stuff with them or I can clean the house. Right. So it's not that the house doesn't get cleaned. It just isn't as clean as I'd like it to be. Yeah. And I think that's one thing too, especially as your kids get older, what do you want your kids to remember you uh, like remember about their childhood that they had a spotless house. They lived in a spotless house, but mom was always cleaning or, you know, they were able to go to the park with mom, mom got on, you know, played with them and we did activities and we went, you know, what type of memories. That's one thing that I have to like check myself is like, it's okay that it's not tidy because once they go to bed, I tidy everything up anyway. So why am I going to kill myself during the day to pick up after them as the day goes on? Because the mess is just going to explode again. Or, you know, I let it go and I wait till they go to bed and then I, we tidy it up. Like the kids tidy up their toys too, as we play, like, because we, you know, we're trying to teach some responsibility, the older ones. Um, but it's just, it's something that I have to remind myself, but I think is really common for a lot of people. A lot of parents is that, you know, you look around to you, you remember your pre-baby life and your pre-baby home and how the level of like organization and, you know, how uncluttered it was. And then, you know, the reality is babies come with a lot of stuff and new babies quite often come with really big bulky stuff, which I also find very overwhelming sometimes. And, um, so sometimes it's nice. Like once you get out of that stage, like, Oh, you can, when the baby gets older, you're like, yes, I can get rid of the swing. Cause it's giant. You know, I gain I gained so much more floor space. <laughs> well, and the thing too, with, babies is things are constantly changing this is what you're kind of getting to is that it's constantly changing so like things are constantly being shifted and new toys are coming in and out and you're getting rid of stuff right and so that alone can be stressful because you know you might have had all the newborn stuff sorted but then all of a sudden you're getting rid of that stuff and then you have other stuff that you have to find stuff a place for and sort out and like that's when the chaos kind of unfolded for me anyways I think too about it is like the amount of time it takes to keep a home tidy or like super, super clean, a pre pre baby level clean, the amount of time that like people put into that of cleaning their house and keeping it tidy. That just isn't a reality of, you know, moms, parents, moms don't have that amount of free time. Once you have a baby, right. We, cause and, you know, we've talked about it before. There are so many other things that moms could be doing with their baby other than cleaning. The cleaning is something that is okay to take a back seat. But I also think it's a hard, like, about this entire episode of what we're talking about is that it's a hard kind of pill for people to swallow that, you know, things have changed. Um, and you know, your house is no longer as clean or tidy as it was, even though you went in into motherhood with the best intentions of keeping that level up. The reality is it's just, sometimes it's not possible. And you brought up a really good point that it is just a phase and eventually, you know, the baby stuff will turn into toddler stuff and toddler stuff will go away. And then you have, you have older kids and then you give them a room. And then their room's a mess and the rest of your house is beautiful again. And then they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to wish that you had that mess. 
So number two that we have is I haven't lost the weight. I keep telling myself I'll lose. Yes. And so this is kind of like the whole pre-baby thing and like bounce back. Right. Where this seems to be a snapback. That's what it is. Yes. Hate the snapback culture. Yes. That's what it is right now. And the thing is it, it works for some people and it's completely unrealistic for other people because my body does not look the way it did before I had kids. And to be honest with you, sometimes I feel sad that it doesn't look that way. But when I look at my three healthy, happy kids, I would totally take my body any day over my previous body because they birthed three happy, healthy kids. Well, I think too, with the whole idea, you know, the struggle of, and we're not downplaying the struggle, uh, like the weight struggle and the body image struggle that you know, so many moms have, it's so common, not even just the weight, but like kind of losing your identity. Like you look different. You don't have the upkeep. You don't have the purpose. Like to, you know, you have a baby, you're covered in spit up. Like things change about your personal appearance, whether you like it or not, when you become a mom, it, it just happens. So we're not downplaying that in any way, shape or form. I like, you know, I've spoken about my disordered eating struggle. So I obviously don't you know, joke around or, um, you know, downplay other people's issues and struggles with weight. But one thing that I always find really, really frustrating when I'm talking to new moms or, you know, moms who are pregnant for the first time or in mom groups that I see like in Facebook and it's so many, and it's such a lie is that I see women saying I'm breastfeeding so that I can lose weight or, you know, breastfeeding is a great way to lose the baby weight. It's a lie. Like, yes, it works. It happens for some people. But the reality is breastfeeding does not always make you lose the baby weight. And I think that is a really, it is this perpetuated lie that causes moms who are breastfeeding, which is already hard enough as it is. And we've talked about how hard it is and how taxing it is to be breastfeeding. And, you know, there's a lot of guilt when people, if a mom chooses or, you know, chooses to go to um, bottle feeding, because, you know, one of the motivating factors is, oh, I'll breastfeed and I'll lose the baby weight. That just doesn't happen in everybody. It just, and I'll be honest, when I'm breastfeeding, I gain more weight. Like I'm higher, like right now, postpartum, I'm five and a half months postpartum with me. I am back to my pregnancy weight. Um, So as the weight I was at the end of my pregnancy, and it's not because I didn't lose the weight because after I had Maeve, I was down to my pre-pregnancy weight within a couple of days. Um, And so like within a week minimum, uh, or sorry, a week max, I was back down to my pre-pregnancy rate. Now, because I'm, you know, my milk supplies in, I'm breastfeeding, I am back up to my pregnancy weight and I don't have another baby in my belly. It's just, I gain more weight when I'm breastfeeding. I always joke like I'm the thinnest. I'm always the thinnest after I have a baby, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, and it's true for me. Like I gain more weight when I'm pregnant, when I'm breastfeeding than I do when I'm pregnant. Um, so you also don't gain a lot of weight when you're pregnant. No, I, and, but like, I do struggle with that. Right. Like, and, 
and I've talked about that. And, and so, yes, I haven't. So I'll say like, I've regained about 15 pounds. Um, so I'm 15 pounds above what I was my pre-pregnancy weight before me, give or take, you know, a few pounds, depending on like if I've pooped or if I had a big meal or something. Right. Um, but for so many women, it is such like weight and body image is so hard as a mom because so many things have changed and then physically you've changed. And then you have this expectation that I'm going to lose the weight. And then this whole snapback culture, which needs to go right out the window because I don't know about anybody else, but like, like you said, you have given birth to three healthy babies and that's the body that you have the result of that. Then I don't want to be in my pre baby life because, and body, because that wasn't the healthy, strong body that I have that is, has overcome so much. Um, and so like, it's just, I'm on a soapbox and I'm ranting, I'm sorry. And I'm losing my, my train of thought, but I'm just, I think one of the biggest things with, I haven't lost the baby weight that I had goal, had, had a goal of losing is often connected to breastfeeding the lie that breastfeeding will help you lose that weight. And it's just not true. So if that's you, or you come across that when you become a mom and you're in your postpartum period, don't feel bad. Well, and for me, like I didn't breastfeed, um, but I still weigh more than I did before I had the boys. Uh, not a lot more, about five pounds more. And you want to know what? I'm okay with that. I might never get back down to my pre-pregnancy weight that's fine. My body isn't ever going to look like it did pre-pregnancy. That's also fine. Um, but like, I think the whole weight and body thing, I had, I had to process it at first, right? Because it is, especially in that postpartum phase, like you're going through so much and your hormones and you're giving birth and then like your body changes. And it is kind of like, a bit shocking especially like once you've started to shed your baby weight that this is what your body's gonna look like um so you kind of have to like process it and allow yourself to kind of fall in love with your new body all over again if that makes sense it does um, it can be hard it can be oh, a yeah. process to fall yeah. like and you know what it doesn't in the beginning you might not love your new body that's another thing that i think a lot of a lot of moms you know, carry shame about is that they don't love their new body and they feel like they should. You don't have to love that body, but you have to respect the body and you have to at least like the body because like quite often turns into love, right? Um, and it, like you said, it's a process. It takes time. And so does recovery in the postpartum period. You know, six weeks, yes, you get cleared for sex or exercise at your six, six week appointment, but your body is not healed. Your body is not done changing after and recovering from your, from your birth and your pregnancy. Um, because like you said, like physiologically, you know, there are parts of your body that will never be the same, right? After you have a baby, your hips get bigger. It's just, you pushed a human body, like you, when you're pregnant, your hips grow. And sometimes whether you have a vaginal birth or a C-section, your hips just don't go back to their pre-pregnancy size. Um, you know, there's kind of that phrase of like birth in hips. Yeah. Like you've had a baby 
whether you deliver vaginally or via C-section, you've had a baby and you have birth and hip, hips now. Like it, it happens. So on to number three, we have, I don't love to play with my baby. <laughs> so I know for me, uh, this was kind of a hard one because I always, I'm honest, I'm not a baby person. <laughs> and so I always thought that that was going to be really hard for me. And sometimes it was, and sometimes it wasn't. For example, the boys, I found them really easy to play with. And I think because they were my first pregnancy and I just had to focus on them. Caroline, I found it really hard to play with because the boys were so much fun to play with. And she was just kind of the tag along. And I just, I've always talked about this. I kind of felt lopsided during her baby year because she was, a baby and I'm not a baby person and they were toddlers and they were like interacting with me and more fun. So I actually found it harder. Um, so like, it's okay not to love to play with your baby. Um, and some people think they'll love to play with babies. And then when they have to play with babies every day, they don't like to play with babies. Yeah. And you know what, like too, playing with babies, the idea of like, oh, I'm going to do all these things um, to play with my baby. And then the reality is when you have a baby, like a newborn, newborns don't play, right? They eat, sleep, poop and repeat. And then, so you almost have to learn how to play with your baby at each developmental stage, which I think is something that some moms really struggle with because they had this idea like, oh, I'm going to play with all the toys and they're going to love it. And then you get like a one month old and they're like, oh, they don't play with toys, right? Like you are their toy essentially in that really like newborn fourth trimester. And I think that is not enjoyable to some people, like you said. And then it's just, you have to learn how to play with your baby because the idea or what you see in the media of playing isn't always developmentally appropriate. And that isn't always stimulating for the mom or the parent either. Well, and even when they're like six months old and they're, you know, a little bit six or nine months old, even, and they're a little bit more mobile in that kind of crawling stage where they're kind of playing with stuff like it is still different playing with a, a baby it just it you're right it's not as stimulating for the parent you're doing it for the love of your child um and then like as I said with my second pregnancy which was my third baby like I just found the time constraints that I was able to play with her as being more difficult too like sometimes it's just like how you ask yourself, like, how long can I play peekaboo? You know, I can only play peekaboo for so, so long before I'm going to lose my mind. And your baby's still like, I love this game. Do it to me more. And you're like, I'm going crazy because something so simple is really entertaining for your baby. And it's just like, okay, I'm over this. Like next <laughs> Well, and like feeling like, like that doesn't mean that you don't love your baby, right? Like it, it is a human feeling that you don't like to play peekaboo for five hours, right? Oh, like it, absolutely. 
And like you said, too, like once you get a bit of an older baby who's a bit more independent, like, you know, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine, and they're maybe a little bit mobile, they're learning how to crawl. It's just like this whole new world of like, I don't have to hold you. Like you can be a little bit independent. And so then as a mom, you're like, I have this new gained a little smidge of freedom. You're like, I don't necessarily want to be doing that because you don't need me for five minutes. Do I have to be in your face playing with you at all times? Or can I take five minutes to myself? And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Make a safe space for your baby and let them play on the floor on the play mat or right. There are ways where you can have a little bit of time to yourself and your baby can still get a play. It just means that you're supervising and you're not getting down and playing. And, and I that's think okay. too, I think too, one of the reasons why, you know, women don't like, or parents don't like to admit necessarily that they don't enjoy playing with their baby is that stigma or the judgment that we had started off talking about and how judgy parents can be towards each other. And do you really want to, you know, some parents aren't, don't want to be judged for the fact that they don't enjoy playing, right? There's a fear of like, oh, just because I don't play, want enjoy playing with my baby, does that make me a bad parent? And the answer is no. Well, it's funny because I actually think since becoming a mom, I'm less judgmental of people because I, I think as a young professional woman like sometimes I'd look at like moms and be like what the heck right like why can't you put on some makeup or why can't you do this or that or why are you feeding your kids that right and now I know how hard it is so I know exactly what they were doing so I'm like I'm just not going to judge anybody everyone can do their own thing I'm not going to judge them uh, you know don't judge me in return, please. As long as you're not harming your baby, you do your thing. I'll do mine, right? So number four, we have, I'm on my phone more than I'd like to be. Yes. And I think this pertains to probably a lot of people. So I have, I have days where I find like I just tapped out and I'm on my phone more than I'd like to be. Um, and I've always kind of been like that. I don't know about you. Um, yeah, because one thing about phones for us, like as parents in this, you know, in this time is that our phones are our connection, our lifeline to our community and to our family, to our friends, right? So it's hard to not be on our phone when we want to be talking to our friends. You know, it's, you know, talk in group chats or texts, like it's so easy to be talking to people. And one thing about motherhood is that it's really isolating. And that's something that I think is shocking and surprising for a lot of first time moms is just the realization that I'm, you know, you know that you're gonna be the sole caregiver for your baby in the beginning. And then it kind of, you know, in the fourth trimester, it kind of hits you like, holy crap, I'm with this baby 24 seven and they need me 24 seven. It's exhausting. And I don't get to, you know, I don't have me anymore. And one of the ways to kind of 
hold on to a little bit of me is talking to our friends. We also don't get to see our friends as much often. It's just not as easy. That's And so our phones are, are the way that we communicate with our old life and with our friends. And it's hard to put that down when you want to talk to your friends because you had a really shitty day or you didn't get enough sleep and your baby's crying and you just need someone who's not your baby to talk to you talk to um it's just it's hard to step away from your phone absolutely so i actually found that what i ended up doing when i found myself being on my phone too much was i would put my phone on my fireplace mantle so that i could hear if someone texted or was trying to call me uh because our fireplace is in our family room Um, but I wasn't on my phone. I was more engaged with the kids. So that really worked for me. But like I just said, like some days I'm just like zonked out and, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give myself some time on my phone just to, for my sanity. Right. Yeah. And I, I like, I have, sometimes I put my phone, you know, I make a point of actively putting it away, but I also have my phone on my body, like on my person in my pocket most of the time. And because also my phone is my camera and Mm -hmm. I like to try and snap pictures of the kids, what they're doing throughout the day to create memories, you know, so that I can look back and I can realize, you know, we look at the pictures, the kids love looking at pictures, whether they're good photos or not, but it's sometimes it's, uh, you know, so I have my phone for my, for taking pictures and it's so easy to have my camera out. And then I get a text. I'm like, Oh, just hold on a second. And then, you know, or, oh, I'm just going to respond to this client and, oh, I'm just going to respond to this email. Um, And that's another thing too, like so many moms are working moms and your phone is your lifeline with work. It travels with you. You can respond to emails whenever you get them in and, and being a mom, it's really hard to create boundaries, a working, like as a working mom, it's hard to create boundaries between like, this is my working time and this is my mommy, mommy time. It just, it, it's hard to do that, especially if you're working from home, which has proved, you know, so many parents have discovered the challenge of being home and working. Um, and your phone is an extension of your work. And it's just, it's a constant draw of your attention. And so there's that piece and you feel guilty that you're working when you should be spending time with your baby. But then there's also, like you said, like the social mommy time that comes with your phone as well, which is hard to walk away from because we don't get moms being that we are predominantly the default parent. We are with our babies 24 seven and we don't get, it's hard to get mom time. And so it's very, it's a, it's a really easy escape for us to just, decompress and have mom time oh it totally is right and you're right because it's your ability to interact with the outside world yeah right so number five is nothing is easy and isn't that the truth (laughs) nothing is easy when it comes to motherhood (laughs) and sometimes sometimes when you think you've mastered something they are like haha fooled you (laughs) Yeah. Like I think too, you know, there is always some level of naivete that comes, you know, with being a first time mom before you have your baby. 
And then it is quite often a rude heart awakening in your fourth trimester of like, holy crap, I now understand why so many moms are now talking about how hard being a mom is. And this is something that our parents, our moms never had, you know, 10, 15 years ago, all of, and then farther beyond, nobody was talking about how hard it is to be a mom. Everybody was just sweeping it, sweeping it up under the rug, lying about how great their day is and how well they're doing, even though at home they're, you know, crying in the bathroom or hiding in the bathroom, trying to have a poop while little fingers stick under the, under the door saying, mom, mom, mom. Or, you know, you're up in the middle of the night doing laundry. It's just, you're sleep deprived. Nobody was talking about that. And now we are now, we have a generation of moms that are starting to vocalize the challenges and how hard it is. And there's no, that is not a bad thing. But it's also not a bad thing when you aren't prepared for it either. Because it's kind of, it's something that you learn by trial by fire. Well, and that's kind of why we are doing this podcast. And that's why we're doing our mommy mentorship program, because it isn't easy. It's really hard. And it is so much easier when you have support. And so if you don't have support, please find support. And if you need online support, we are here for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.